really look at 38 through 42. And the reason that we're doing it this way is most all of that is God's answering back to Job, okay? So uh, if you remember kind of the format of the book of Job, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, sets the the setting for Job, okay? So you have uh, the conversation between God and Satan in the heavens. Uh, Hey, Job's a blameless guy. He's upright. He turns away from evil. He fears God. And Satan says, yeah, but he only does it because you're paying and so then there's God lengthens the fence, allows Satan to come in and afflict Job. Possessions, his family, his children are all taken away. Um, chapter 2, his health is struck. And then for much of the book of Job, you have three friends who have lousy theology, okay? And they're, they're, they're doing what a lot of people do. If, if, when it doesn't work, they just try it harder. And so they're, they're telling Job that this is what's wrong. It's terrible theology. And then toward the end of the book, God finally speaks, all right? That's what we got today. God is going to speak to Job, and that's in 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. So let me tell you what I want to do. We're going to look at a lot of that. So first of all, I want your Bibles open all sermon, okay? So just kind of keep them there, and I'm going to be going through these these chapters. We're going to be highlighting certain things. But to begin with, just kind of get our minds thinking about the Scripture, what I want to do is read chapter 38, verses 1 through 12, so God's kind of initial um, speaking to Job. And then we're going to go all the way to 42, and we're going to read Job's, he speaks twice, responds back to God. We're going to, we're going to read his second response, which is 42, 1 through uh, 6, okay? So we're going to start in 38, we're going to read 12 verses, we're going to go to 42, read 6 verses, and then we're going to, we're going to try to cover it all in the rest of the sermon, Okay? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with its doors when it bursts out of the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus you shall come and no further. Here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn? To know its place. Now go to chapter 42. This is Job's second response to God in this section. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I will question you, question you and, may, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Father, we ask you today to reveal yourself to us. God, much like Job, what we need is to see you. God, we need to see your glory. We need to see your power and your might and your love and your grace and your compassion and your justice. Father, we 
We need to get a glimpse of your glory. We thank you for the, the word that we hold. God, we thank you, Father, that you have showed us and revealed to us the glory of the gospel in Jesus, your son. Thank you, Father, for showing us your glory through Christ. Father, show us, reveal to us yourself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, give you a little bit of uh, setting for this. So if you remember at the beginning, after Job has everything taken away and uh, his ten children die, uh, Job reveals to us kind of where his heart is, his theology. And remember the famous phrase, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow, huh? Wow. Chapter 2, he's afflicted with this horrible disease in which he suffers daily. What does he say? You know, he tells his wife, shall we, shall we receive good from the Lord and, and, not, and not evil? In other words, Job kind of reveals a theology that he realizes God is sovereign over the universe. And, and God does what he pleases. What he pleases is right. God does what is good. And, and we should realize that everything we have, every moment we have, every, every good thing we have, is really on borrowed time, isn't it? And so Job kind of reveals initially his theology. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. We sing about it, don't we? We have a song, Blessed Be the Name. Um, we were at a horse show yesterday, and, and Avery uh, ha- had to borrow a hat. She was competing, and, and she didn't have a hat, and so she was borrowing a hat from her friend Ray Lynn. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking about it when I was thinking about Job's theology of, you know, hey, everything we have from, is from God. I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to go out of this world with nothing. Everything I've got is, is, is from him. And I was thinking about how, how silly it would be for Avery to borrow the hat, you know, do her event, and then as Ray Lynn came back to her, you know, and, and said, hey, I, I need the hat back, you know, for Avery to throw a fit and kick dirt and say, you know, you're not my friend, you know. Uh, but, but honestly, I mean, that, that's what Job is saying. Job's saying, this is the way I understand this, okay? So chapters 1 and 2, wow, valiant expression of faith by the man Job. But as the days and the weeks and the months of pain and suffering and grief roll on, Job begins to question God. And let, let's, let's none of us place judgment on God like the friends did. Because, listen, I, I don't know how I would respond. You don't, I, I know it would be incredibly difficult. When you're living with difficulty, grief, pain, suffering, day after day after day, Job begins to question God. Now, beautiful thing about Job, never turns his back on God, never curses God, never goes to, to somebody else other than God. He's, he's always seeking God. But, but in chapter 23, we have a great example of Job's passion to say, God, I, I got I, I to know from you. I, 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 I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to I, I talk to you about this. Chapter 23, verse 3, he says, Oh, that, that, I, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Now, you can tell Job is beginning to get discouraged. Maybe his faith is weakening, weakening a bit. Okay, did, did, did you hear the tone in that? Man, I want to talk to God about this. You know, I want to talk to him because I got a lot of arguments to give him. Now, again, Job's not cursing God. He's not turning away from God. He's certainly not like his friends. 
His friends, if you remember them from last week, they have horrible theology. They have, they're one-tool guys. Their whole explanation for suffering and evil and difficult times is if you're a bad person, bad things happen to you. If you're a good person, good things happen to you. Okay? It's, it's a horrible theology. Okay? Is there truth in that sin brings consequences, righteousness brings blessing? Yes, there's truth there. But that's not an explanation for why people suffer, especially Job. Especially when we have the perspective of knowing what happened in chapter 1 and 2. We know that's not why he's suffering. And so Job, as he goes through this, these days and weeks and however long it, it was of intense grief and suffering, Job begins to challenge God. Job begins to have the attitude that, that he, wants to, he wants to talk to God. He wants to settle this with God. He wants to have an argument to God. Now, in chapter 38, God gives Job what he wants. God comes down and God, God meets Job face to face. Now, have you ever had this happen to you? Have you ever had like this rock-solid, airtight argument in your head against somebody? You know, and, and, and then when it actually happened that you got to confront them and you got to talk it through, it didn't at all go like you thought it would go. Have that, has that ever happened to you? If it hasn't happened to you, you've not gotten married yet is what is the deal. Okay, so you haven't gotten married yet. Someday you will be married. You just don't have a wife, okay? Because if you had a wife, you would know what I mean. I mean, there's a whole lot of times where, man, I, I, all the I got it in my head, and it's just, it's just, I like, nobody can argue with this. I mean, this is so stellarly, logically, reasonable, sensible. It's everything, and I get there, honey, I want to talk to you, and man, I don't get two words out, and the thing does not go like I thought it was going to go, you know? I mean, it, 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 it doesn't go at all that way. That's exactly what happened with Job. In 23, he is crying out, God, I want to talk to you. I've got arguments. I've got, I want to plead my case. I'm in the right here. God, I want justice. And then when he gets to talk to God, it doesn't exactly go as he thought it would go. Okay? First of all, God speaks to him out of the whirlwind. Okay? We're going to talk about that here in a second. But in, in chapter uh, 38, verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Okay, So out of a tornado, out of an F5, God comes and speaks to Job. Okay, and That's going to be significant here in a minute. But what we're going to see right away is that God does not come with answers. Okay? God does not come to Job with answers. You would think, again, that God would come and say, okay, hey, Job, let me, let me straighten this out for you. You know, way back, Satan came, and, and, and he said that you wouldn't serve me if I took everything away. He said, oh, the only reason you serve me is because I've given you stuff. And, and you, you would think that God would just go ahead and reveal that whole deal, bring answers. God never does that, okay? God never brings those answers, okay? Now, did you hear me? God does not do that for Job. Now, here, here's a pillar that Lincoln Avenue, we, we, we need to embrace, okay? Matthew 7, verse 11 says this. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Okay? Well, I know I jumped out of the book of Job, but we got to get this right first. God's a good father. Okay? Did you hear that? God is a good father. Many of you are good fathers. You know how to give good things to your kids, Okay? What Jesus very clearly says, God is a better father. And God gives his children what they need. Okay? So many of you are memorizing our verses. Okay? One of them we had this, this week was in Romans. Incredible verse. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then here's verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What does that verse say? It says, God did not hold back Jesus from you, church. Okay. 
I mean, God offered you, gave to you, gave for you the most precious, valuable, glorious thing in the universe. And so Paul's saying, why would we get the notion in our head that God's not going to do what's best for us, that God's not going to give us what we need? He's already given us Jesus. If he's already demonstrated this, we should be convinced of that. Okay? So, I know I just chased a little rabbit trail, but, but you, you need it, okay? Because we, we have to be convinced of that. God gives good gifts to his kids. God knows what you need. He's going to give you what you need. So, in chapter 38, what does Job need? Okay, what does he need? Now, let me tell you what he thinks he needs. Answers, right? He, th- he thinks he needs to know. I need to know why. God, I need to know why this has happened. I need to know why I'm suffering. I need, I need this to be revived. That's what Job thinks he needs. What does God give him? This is very interesting. God gives Job himself. Did you hear that? Doesn't give him answers. He gives him better than answers. He gives him better than he he would ask for. God gives Job a glimpse of his own glory. Okay? I'm going to try to build a case of this for you. So, is, is, that, is that just some weird thing that happens in Job? Actually, it, it's other places in the Scripture as well. Do you remember Elijah? Elijah's battling the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Remember that? Fire comes from heaven, destroys the altar. Uh, Elijah goes down, slays 450 prophets of Baal. The rain comes back from the long drought to Israel. Things are restored. Elijah goes back home. He no sooner gets there. A messenger comes to the door. Hey, buddy, this is from Jezebel. You're a dead man tomorrow. I'm going to cut your throat. I'm going to kill you. Okay, Elijah, for whatever reason, snaps. Okay, this brave, courageous prophet who, who just challenged 450 prophets of Baal, he just snaps. For whatever reason, he just can't take it. He snaps. He runs out in the wilderness, gets under a tree and says, God, I've had enough. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that serves you. Pity party, poor me. I've had enough. I want to go to heaven. I'm done. Kill me. Just take my life. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be a prophet anymore. I'm done. Okay, what does God do for Elijah? God takes him up on the mountain, okay? And then, here's what happens. Verse 11 of 1 Kings 19. Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. Same thing as Job, okay? God comes to him in a tornado. God comes to him splitting apart the mountain, the rocks being torn off the side of the cliff. Okay? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low whisper. God's going to speak to Elijah. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. And he went and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. And it said... Now, what do you think it's going to say? See, I would think it would say something like this. Elijah, come on, buddy. You're okay. I'm going to take care of Jezebel. In fact, let me tell you what's going to happen. Jehu's going to uh, go up to the palace. He's going to pull up in his chariot. He's a fierce guy. He's going to say, hey, hey, who, uh, who's up there for me? Two servant guys are going to go, we're for you, buddy. And he's going to say, throw Jezebel down. They're going to toss her off the roof. She's going to hit on the pavement below. It's going to kill her. The dogs are going to come and eat her. That's what happens. Like that, That's literally what is in the future for Jezebel. You know that story, did you? All the kids are like, something cool at church, you know? Um, <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I would think God would tell Elijah. He doesn't tell him that. You know what he says? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? Elijah goes into his pity party. I'm the only one. Okay. God says, do this, do this, do this. And by the way, 
You're not the only one. I got 6,000 people in Israel haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Are you seeing the theme here? Okay. What, what I'm telling you is that consistently, I believe what God is telling us here is that what we need most is a glimpse of the Almighty God. At times, what we think we need is answers. What we think we need is, is, is a change in our circumstances. What God gives when He gives the best thing is He gives Himself. One of the things that chapter 38, 39, 40, one of the things that they teach us is that, guys, God's not on trial. We're on trial, okay? You know, I mean, chapter 23, Job says, God, you know, I want to face you. You know, let's go to court together. I got a lawyer. I got a case. I'm going to make it. Okay? God's not on trial. If you live your life in, in such a way where if your circumstances go badly, you're like, I'm out on God. Man, I'm, I'm out on Him. You know what? He let me down. I'm out on worship. I'm out on church. I'm out on the Bible. I'm out on Christ-centered relationships. You know, I'm going to withhold that because God has let me down. Listen, God's not on trial. And He makes that clear here. God's not, God's not going to play that, okay? He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't have to, to prove himself. One of the reasons is he's already proven himself, okay? We, we talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a clear and, and, and indisputable proof of God's commitment to us and in our suffering in Je- sending Jesus, his son, to die your death, to take your suffering, to take your sin, to, to receive his righteousness, and to usher you into a place where there is no suffering, no sin, and no death. He's already proven himself, but he doesn't have to prove himself. Chapter 38, verse 2. He says to Job, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I know it's a confusing sentence, but here's essentially what he's saying. Job, the more you talk, the less this thing becomes clear. You know, when you don't know what you're talking about, have you ever noticed that the more you talk, the, the more muddy it gets? Okay, And essentially, that's what he's telling Job. Job, you, 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 you keep talking, and, and, but listen, you, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Verse 3, dress yourself for action like a man, and I will question you, okay? God says, look, here's the way it's going to work. You get up, dress yourself for action, I'm going to question you, I'm gonna ma- and you're going to make it known to me. Okay, and then God begins his questioning. Okay, brace yourself, get ready. Okay, and, and his questioning re- revolves around this. On what basis are you a judge over me? So any, anytime we grumble, think about this. Maybe you're, maybe you're not the kind of person who, who shakes your fist at God and says, what'd you do this for me? What, what in the world? You're unjust. Maybe you're not that person. But when you're a person who grumbles, essentially what are we doing? We're challenging God's management of our life. Is that not true? If I'm in the car and we're going on a family vacation and what I'm hearing behind me from the kids is, this is terrible. It's hot in here. Where are we going? You know, this is too far, you know? The restaurant we ate, it was terrible. I got a stomachache. Okay, what do I, do I start taking that personal after a while? You better believe I do. I mean, they're, they're basically saying you're not taking care of us, Dad. You're doing a bad job. This is a bad idea. So when we grumble, we need to ask ourselves, are we really in a position to judge God's management of the universe? That's where God... 
That's where we pick up God's speech to Job. So what does he say to Job? Well, first of all, look at verse 4. Chapter 38 is where we're at. Chapter 38, verse 4. First of all, he asked Job about his experience. So Job, what kind of experience do you have being a judge over the way that I manage the universe? Okay, so he begins in verse 4. Were you there, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? So basically, Job, were you even there? Do you even know how I did this? Do you even know how this whole thing runs? How this whole thing fits together? Do you, do you know how the world works and how, how it's measured and how it's set and how it continues to go? Well, Job... Job, that's probably too hard for you. you. You don't know that. So how about verse 8? Job, do you even know about dry land and the sea? Do you know about the boundaries of the ocean? Verse 8, who shut in the sea with its doors when it burst out of the, from the womb? When I made clouds, its garment and, and thick darkness, its swaddling bland, and prescribed limits for it and set bars to it. Job, do you know anything about that? Obviously, Job does not know anything about that. Well, all right, how about this, Job? Verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began? Job, even one time, in your life? Have you told the sun come up, to come up? Have you done that, Job? Can you command it? Can you command the day? All right, Job, we're just talking about one day. Job, can you get one day going? Can you do that for me? Can you handle one day? I've been doing it from, from eternity past, but Job, could you handle it one day? Job, I don't think you can. Well, Job, what else do you know about? How about how, how about, how about where the, the bottoms of the ocean? Verse 16, have you been there? Even a hardy one. Verse 17, Job, what do you know about death? What do you know about the other side of death? Job, there's people dying every day you're asking to die job what do you know about that verse 17 have the gates of death been revealed to you have you seen the gates of deep darkness job do you know anything about that well that's too hard well how about some simpler things how about snow and rain and hail look at verse 22 have you entered the storehouse of the snow have you seen the storehouse of the hail job do you know how all that works do you, do you know how that runs i don't have time to read this to you but go on the internet this afternoon and type in john piper rain Okay, John Piper rain. This is masterful. John Piper just goes through the, the simple things that have to happen when it rains. By the way, did you know this? Here's, here's just some cool facts in this. One inch of rain falls on one square mile of farmland during the night. That would be uh, 27,878,400 cubic feet of water. That weighs 1,650,501,280 pounds. Okay? So one, one, one section, okay? So, so no, no, that's not one section. What did, what did he say? One square mile. Yeah, a section. One square mile. So one square mile, how much does that weigh? That's, that's over a billion pounds of water. That just traveled over from the Pacific. Isn't that pretty cool? And Piper talks about how it got up there, how it comes down. And by the way, aren't you glad that God controls how it comes down? There's a whole process of coalescence and evaporation. But you know what? If you just, just hauled it over here and dumped it, your garden would not be doing well, you know? I mean, if, if you just, you know, just dumped it off. I mean, and it's amazing. We don't, I mean, do we even understand rain? And, and, and can we control it? Can we do it? Have we done any of that? Chapter 31 through 33 talks about the solar system. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? He's talking about the constellations. Can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinance of the heavens? Can you establish the rule on the earth? I looked up some statistics on the sun this morning. The sun is 333,060 times the earth's size. One million earths could fit in the sun, and it burns consistently at 5,500 degrees Celsius. All right? For thousands of years, it's been doing that, okay? Up in the heavens. 
All right, Randall and I were talking yesterday. It is difficult for me to get a campfire started in the Rockies, all right? If the wood's a little wet, I have a hard time with a little fire cooking my dinner, all right? And what God is asking Job, hey, Job, what do you know about the solar system? Can, can you put one star up there? Can, can, you, can you make it burn, Job? Can you do any of that? Can you lead it? Can you set it in its place? And the answer is clearly no. In 34 on, he talks about lightning. Job, can you send forth lightning? How about thunder? Can you handle any of that, Job? Even one, one flash, can you do that? And chapter 39, he really lowers it. How about the animal kingdom? Job, do you know anything about that? Can you handle that? What, what's, your, what's your knowledge of the animal kingdom? Do you know when the, when the goats give birth? Do you know, observe the calving of the does? So what do you know about that, Job? Job, there was a, a mountain goat born in Nepal this morning. Did you know about that? Job, there's a spider monkey that fell off the, the tree in the Amazon. Did you, did you hear that, Job? Did you see that? Hey, Job, when, when, when Fred was coming to church today, he hit a sparrow. Did you know that, Job? Did do you know any of those things? Do you have that kind of knowledge? Chapter 39, verses 19 to 21, he talks about the horse and its rider. Job, did you give the horse its might? Did you make it fierce in battle? Verse 26, did you teach the hawk to soar? And the answer to all of those things is no. Now, in chapter 40, we're going to see in a moment that Job speaks, but only briefly, and then God jumps right back in, okay? In, in chapter 40, God says, well, how about the world of men? Can You know, you want to manage things, Job. Can you do a good job of that? Verse 11, or verse 10, let's start with that. Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. So, so God tells Job, go ahead and put on your glory, Job, and see if you can handle the workings of men. Verse 11, pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked where they stand. Can you do that, Job? You know, we all think we'd like to do that, you know, wouldn't you? Many of you, you're like, I'd like to be the justice guy. I'd like to have that, you know, ability and just, just you know, put justice on everybody right could you really handle that are you really do you really have the capability to bring low the proud i don't think so chapter 40 he goes on he just picks one animal job can you handle this it's the behemoth we're gonna go ahead and read this because i think the kids are gonna like it are you ready Verse 15, Behold behemoth, which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins, and his power is in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar, and the sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. He's the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword, for the mountains yield food for him, where all the wild beasts play under the lotus plant he eats, in the shelter of the reeds, and in the marsh for his shade as the lotus tree covers him, and the willows of the brooks surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he's not frightened. He's confident through jo- though Jordan rushes against his mouth. Can you take him by the eyes, Job? Or pierce his nose with a snare? Job, can you handle this one animal, the behemoth? Now, who is the behemoth? Well, I've heard everything from a elephant to a rhinoceros to a, a hippopotamus to a crocodile none of that seems very sufficient to me I'll, I'll tell you what my belief is i think he's talking about a dinosaur let me tell you why uh when he talks about his tail is stiff like a cedar and i've been to the zoo a couple times and hippopotamuses don't have tails like tree trunks okay uh they don't have them uh his bones tubes of bronze okay so he's talking about iron legs okay his limbs like bars of iron uh that doesn't sound like a crocodile to me and, and by the way in verse 24 he's asking can you take him by the eyes can you pierce him by the nose with a snare that would be not very impressive if it is a crocodile because i've been to florida and i've seen guys do that you know steve Irwin used to 
to do it all the time. You know, he's really out there and wrestle with him, okay? So what I believe he's talking about is a giant dinosaur, okay? And I think he's asking Job, hey, Job, can you just handle this one animal? Job, I'm not, okay, now forget the whole animal kingdom. Job, can you handle one? Chapter 41, he talks about what I believe is a, a sea monster, sea dinosaur kind of thing. I think I've seen a, uh, uh, in a museum one time kind of something that I think looks like what, what Job is describing here. And I love this. He says, can you put a rope around his nose, Job, verse 2? Pierce his jaw with a hook, verse 3. Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you in soft words? Will he make a covenant with you, Job, to take him for your servant forever? Verse 5, God's got a sense of humor. Listen to this. Will you play with him as with a bird, or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Isn't that hilarious, you know? He's like, hey, Joe, can you get this sea monster, this, this dragon, this dinosaur? Can you go ahead and put him on a leash and bring him home for your girls? Hey, girls, look what I brought home. Leviathan, you know. Right, let's play with him. All right, Joe, can you do that? Can you handle that? And the answer to all of those things is no. What's God saying? God takes him to the bottom of the ocean, to the farthest galaxies to the weather, to the animal kingdom, to the strongest of beasts. You know, the, the arrogance of some people today, I, I think there are folks today who would read Job 38 through 42 and say, yep, I understand all that. Oh yeah, I got all knowledge. I know, I know how it all works. You go to places and you, you read signs, you know, 400 billion years ago, this animal walked across the street here, you know. And then the next day, this happened. I'm just like, do you guys really believe that you know that to that extent, you know? I mean, do we, do we know all of that? Have we, got, have we got everything figured out? When I read 38 through 42, I think it affects me like I think it affected Job. I put my hand on my mouth and say, God, I don't know how to manage the world. We are surrounded by mysteries. By the miraculous, Job cannot build such systems. Job cannot manage such systems. He doesn't even understand such systems. And I think here's what God's getting at. We know nothing about creating and running a world. See, there's times where we, we think we do, right? There's times where, no, I'm not saying we don't know anything. Obviously, we... We should be students of all this, right? You should walk outside and see the glory of God. You should look in your telescope and marvel at, at, at these burning balls of gas in the, in, the, in the sky. You should look at the human body and, and say, man, God is miraculous. We should study how it works. We should be students of, of God's handiwork, okay? But, but the point is, we are not in a, in, a, in a position to say, God, I know how to run the universe better than you do. And what Job gets from God here is not answers. He gets perspective. Look at chapter 40. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once. I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. What happens to Job? Well, I mean, he, he still doesn't have the answer of why he suffered so much, but you know what he does have now? He's got a new perspective. You know, you know what happens when we suffer? We tend to get tunnel vision. Is that true? Yeah? We tend to get tunnel vision. Some of you, when you're sick, your family knows this. Man, you're, you're terrible, right? 
Uh, you get sick and you're a strong, independent person, but you get the flu and you're as whiny as can be, right? I mean, the whole world now has to, has to revolve around you. You know, honey, can you bring me a tissue? Honey, can I have a little soup? Honey, can I have a bedpan? No, you can't have a bedpan. Get up and go to the bathroom, right? I mean, people get that way, right? When, when we're hurting, when we're grieving, when we're sick, I mean, that's just the reality. I'm not saying that's wrong or right. I'm saying the reality is we get tunnel vision. We, we begin to think the world, we only see our world. We only see our suffering. We only see our little piece of it. And we think we understand it all. And what God gives Job here is perspective. I think that's what God gives Elijah. I think it's so beautiful that God does not give perspective by minimizing Job's suffering. God gives perspective by magnifying who he is. Isn't that beautiful? I think sometimes we try to give perspective by minimizing people's suffering. You do that to your kids sometimes, don't you? Scraping knee, they're bawling, you know, you're like, oh, come on, it's not that bad, you know. It's okay, it's just bleeding a little bit. Right? I mean, we do that, okay? God, God doesn't do that. I'm not saying it's wrong when you do it, but I'm just saying God doesn't do that to Job. God does not appear and say, Job, hey, it's not that bad, you lost ten kids, it's okay. God doesn't do that. I don't think God treats us that way. I don't think he minimizes your pain. I don't think he minimizes your suffering. I don't think he minimizes that. I think what he does, though, is he magnifies himself, and that's exactly what you need. You hear that? That's what we need. We we need God to show us himself. We need to experience him. I think it's beautiful in the way that Job responds here. He's really fixed before his life is fixed. Do, do you notice what he says? You know, I'm of small account. What shall I answer? I'll leave my hand in my mouth. I've spoken once. I won't speak again. Uh, chapter 42. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Okay? Verse 4. Uh, or verse 5, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. I, re- I despise myself. I repent dust and ashes. I mean, Job is, is completely different on the inside, and nothing on his outside has changed yet. Now you say, well, but chapter 42, he gets it all back double and 10 more kids. Yes, but he's fixed before chapter 42. All right, now, if you know anything about Job's restoration... First of all, do you remember last week? Job is convinced. He looks at his life. He looks at his suffering. And here's what he says. There is no possible way I can ever have a good day again. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no way. It can never happen. My, my hope is gone. My life is too terrible. I'm suffering too much. There, there, there's, nothing that any, nothing, there's nothing that could happen that could make things right for me. And yet we turn the page to chapter 42 and we see that God restores the fortunes of Job. God, God, God gives him back everything times two. He has 10 more kids. He lives 140 more years and sees his sons and their sons and their sons to four generations and all of that all that happens after he's already okay i i want you to get the timeline okay there god speaks job says i see i see god okay no more questions i got it all i i i that's all that's what i needed his circumstances aren't changed yet in fact really interesting thing here he gets things right with his friends and with god before his circumstances ever change 
Okay? There's a beautiful passage here in verse 8. It says, Now therefore God tells his friends, Take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you. I will accept his prayer. His prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. Okay? These guys aren't going to get out of this thing alive unless Job intercedes for them. And later in verse 10, it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Okay, so I just want you to have the timeline right there. Okay, it's not that Job, God gives Job all, hit back all his stuff and, and a new family, and now he's like, ah, I'm, I'm good now. No, 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 that's not really the timeline. The timeline is God reveals himself to Job. Job is okay on the inside. Job is changed. Job is transformed on the inside. He such to such degree that he's able, when he's got worms coming out of boils on his skin, to go and pray for his friends, to reconcile, to ask God to forgive them. They've been, they've been chewing on him for days, for, for 30 chapters. And Job is okay on the inside of the point that he goes and reconciles and intercedes for his friends. And why is that so important? That's so important because I want you to see What you need and what I need is the glory of God. Now, if you come to Lincoln consistently, this is a big piece of our puzzle, okay? We're going to talk about this a lot. And and it's everywhere in the scriptures, okay? Men and women are changed when they see the glory of God. Remember Isaiah? Okay, so Isaiah is praying in the temple. He has a vision. He sees the throne of God. He sees God sitting uh, on the throne, in the throne room, temple, Glory of God filling the temple, the seraphim crying out, holy, holy, holy. In verse 5, he says, woe is me, I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, I dwell amidst the people of unclean lips, I dwell, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is transformed by the glory of God. A passage we look at all the time at Lincoln Avenue is 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Listen to this. And we all with unveiled face, this is talking about believers, beholding, seeing the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, and I know that's a confusing verse, but, but essentially leave it up there, Teresa. Essentially what it's saying is I'm changed. That word transformed. I'm changed on the inside when? beholding the glory of the Lord. As I see the glory of the Lord, I'm transformed on the inside from one degree of glory to another. In other words, it's continuing to happen the more and the more of God's glory that I see. And so if God's glory is the thing that changes us, that transforms us, then it makes perfect sense that in Job 38, why, what does God give to, to Job, whom he loves, who, who is his servant, who, who he cares about? God gives to Job more of himself. He shows him his glory. Now, this is so important because so many times we, we don't think that's what we need, right? We, we, may, we may wake up and come to church and we say, God, here's what I need. I need you to change this. God, here's what I need. I need you to get this guy out of my life. God, I need you to punish this person. God, I need you to give me some money. God, I need you to change my circumstances. I need this. I need answers. I need to know why. I need you. We think that's what we need. And not saying that God isn't going to do that. Chapter 42, God God does indeed address Job's circumstances. And I I think he does so in this book as a sign and hope to all believers that God will eventually make things right. I don't think always in this life, but God will make things right. Let me tell you that. God's going to handle that. 
He can bring hope out of hopeless situations. But a bigger point than that is that what we need most in life is to see the glory of God. You're suffering today. What do you need? You need to see and experience the glory of God. You're tired. You're burned out. You're bored. You got a midlife crisis. What do you need? You need to see and experience the glory of God. You're grieving. You're grieving today over some loss in your life. We are not making light of that in the least. God is not making light of your pain. It may be intense and horrible, but what you need is to see God's character. You need to see His mercy, His glory, His power, His wisdom, His management of the universe. You need to see Him so that you will trust Him. When you see His glory, you trust Him. That's, that's why Romans 10 tells us we got to be people of the Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Why is this thing so important? Why do we hand these things out for the last four weeks for you to memorize Scripture? You know why? Because God reveals His glory through His Word. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not much of a reader. I, I just want God to come to me face to face. Well, be careful what you ask for, Okay. I don't know that I want to be Job. Honestly, I mean, I, I want to see his glory, but I don't know I want to see it that way, you know? Hey, I think I'll memorize my scripture. I'll, I'll dive into the word of God. God, show me your glory through your word. We need to be the kind of people who pray like the Apostle Paul, who at the end of his life, as he's in a Roman prison cell, he's already seen Jesus on the Damascus Road, the bright light, the blinding light, drops off his donkey, hears the voice from heaven. Okay, here's Jesus. Paul was a guy who was caught up to the third heaven, saw things that other people have never seen. And yet Paul, at the end of his life, prays this, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Why does Paul pray to know God? He already knows him, doesn't he? And he saw him on the Damascus Road. He got caught up to the third heaven. He's had several, I mean, man, if anybody knew God, it's Paul. But yet, at the end of his life, Paul's saying, let me tell you my heartbeat. Let me tell you the direction of my life. I want to know God. Why does Paul say that? Because when we see his glory, we're changed. Do you see the gift that God gave Job here? Man, God comes in the whirlwind and pulls back the curtain and says, Job, I want you to see my wisdom. I want you to see my power. I want you to see my glory. I want you to see my, my, my infinite wisdom. Job, I want you to see that. Because when you see that, you're changed. You're transformed on the inside. Your faith is built. And so there's really one simple message that I have for you today. And that is simply this. We ought to be a people who pursue knowing God. That should be the pursuit of your life. Friends, that's the pursuit of your life. You should know God. You should want to know Him. You should, you should pursue that in every way possible. You should seek Him in His Word. He's revealed His glory in His Word. You should be a person who pours your life into knowing God in His Word. You should be a person who prays. Why? Because you, you want to experience Him. You, you want Him to meet you in prayer. You want to see His glory. You should be a person who fellowships with other people so that you can see His glory through them. You should be a student of nature. You should walk outside in the mornings and look at the sun coming up. You, you, you should do all, all that God just showed us here. The oceans, the mountains, the animal kingdom. All of that is screaming to you the glory of God. You should know Him. 
You should stare at your, your little baby that was born, maybe your grandchild, your son, your daughter. You should marvel. You should marvel. God is wise. He knows what he's doing here. And all of that should feed into you being able to trust his word. Psalm 84, 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who trust him. Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Why should you believe those things? Because you know God. You know his character. You know his power. You know his wisdom. You know his nature. So we should trust him. No man ever suffered like Job. And God gave Job exactly what Job needed. Job, this is who I am. Job says, enough said. You got this. I trust you. And indeed, God had it. I think he will for you too. Let's pray. God, we want to know you. God, we want to, to know your character. God, we want to know your, your power and your wisdom. Father, we want to know and be fully confident, God, in your management of the world. And you're, you're taking care of us. You're taking care of our eternity. You're taking care of our, our future. Father, we trust you. Please build up that faith in us. Build up that trust in us. God, I pray that we might know you in, in your word, that we might know you through prayer, that we might know you through the interaction in our small groups tonight, through praying with other believers. I pray that we might get glimpses of your glory, little, little snapshots of your, your goodness. God, show us those things. God, we seek that. We seek you. God, we want you. In Jesus' name, amen.